Hey, and welcome to the Resound Church podcast. Whether it's your first or your 40th time tuning in, we're so glad you're here and we pray you get something powerful from this sermon. Um, Obviously, this morning I'm bringing the Word, but my prayer and my desire is that you would hear words that I've spent time planning and and reading through and I've seeked God about or sought God about, but I'm praying this morning that you hear from God, not from me. Because I believe he's got something for every single person in this room today if we're ready to hear from him. You know, we're starting a new series this week called Surrender. And we're going to be doing this series up until Easter. So we're going to go on a little bit of a journey. And we're going to look into Leviticus. Who likes reading Leviticus? Yeah, great. Awesome. Well, when you uh, get past a bit of the mundane part of Leviticus, uh, there is an incredible message that God actually has in that book. And I'll be honest, I, um, I would read it and it would be one of those books that I thought, does it really matter if I read this one or not? Can I just sort of go on who listens to their Bible sometimes? I do while I'm driving and sometimes it's on like t- times two speed. Anyone done that before or just me? Okay, great. I'm not alone. And so you're just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Same sacrifice over and over again, whatever. But then I started, I was like, God, you know what? I really want to see what your purpose is here. You know, the Bible is a historical document, but it wasn't meant to just be a historical document. We're meant to read the Bible and we're, we're called to, to get something out of it. God has actually planned every word in that Bible for us to learn from and to see Him in a full picture. And so this morning, my prayer is that we actually get something out of Leviticus. Is that all right? Awesome. Well, animal sacrificing today here in in Australia, in the Western society, um, is not really done. It's not something that we would see. And in fact, if we probably did see it, it's probably going to somewhat be on the news because it's frowned upon and it's just not something we do. And so, but if we look in other parts of the world, there are still countries today that culturally or religiously do animal sacrificing. And that is a part of their life. So when they read Leviticus, they're going to read it with a completely different mind. But when we read Leviticus, it can get a little bit messy, confusing. We don't understand the purpose of it or why it's happening. And so the the crazy thing is, when we stop and think about it, when we link to the cultural context back then, when we look at the historical context, when we see what God was attempting to do with the Israelites, it's actually really powerful and there is something there for us today. Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden and we all know God says to them, hey, there's the Garden of Eden, it's yours for the taking, have whatever you want, but please just don't eat from that tree. Well, Adam and Eve, eat from the tree, And then Genesis 3 verse 21 says, The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. You see, Adam and Eve, they ate the fruit from the tree and then they realized they're naked. They've sinned. It's the first sign of sin. And then God clothes them with an animal skin. That could very well be the first sign of an animal sacrifice. God's killed an animal, he's taken the skin, 
He's placed it on Adam and Eve, and it's covered their sin. You know, when they sinned, God was like, unfortunately now, I'm going to ask you to leave Eden. And so they do. They leave Eden, and God places in front of Eden the flaming sword that points to the tree of good and, life, uh, good and evil, and then he places two cherubim there as well. And so we see that, unfortunately, <laughs> sin has separated them from God in that moment. We know that as we continue to read through Genesis, that sin spreads It gets worse, it gets more contagious, and it gets to the point where God goes, you know what, I just need to start again. I I need to start again. And so we see the flood take place. He gets Noah's family to be the family that goes on the ark. The, The flood subsides and they go on and they continue to live life and they begin society again. After about 430 years, the Israelites had been in Egypt. Moses is able to lead them out. And we know then that they head into the wilderness and they're on the path to the promised land. But what happens? They sin. It's a bit of a cycle, right? It's human. We sin, we get right with God. We sin, we get right with God. And so the Israelites, they're in the wilderness But God has this desire, God has this hunger to be with his people. You see, Israel was God's chosen people. They were the people that he destined things for. He he said to Abraham, your descendants will always sit on the throne. Israel were the people that God had called. And so his heart is yearning to be back with his people. His heart is yearning to stay connected to them. You see here, we come together once a week on a Sunday morning, two to three hours, and then we all go back to our homes, maybe to our individual lives, and we just keep doing what we're doing. But the Israelites were with each other 24-7. They lived in rows of tents. You go to the market, there's your neighbor. You go here, there's your neighbor. Like they're with each other all the time. So when sin enters, it spreads and it spreads rapidly because it becomes a part of their culture. It's like, oh, is that what we're doing now? Cool, we're doing that. And then they all just begin to sin. You see, in this moment, God had a choice he needed to make. He had a choice he needed to make. Eden, the original plan for Eden was that God wanted to dwell here on earth with his people. That was the original plan. He wanted to be connected with his people here on earth. But we know that when sin entered, they were separated from that. They were unable to remain in Eden. So that opportunity was taken away. But then the the Israelites are back in the wilderness and God's heart, he's like, I want to be back with my people. I'm desperate to be back with my people. And we know that he had to make a decision. Do I stay here on earth and dwell among my people or do I go back to heaven and leave them without their God? I want you to think for a moment. If you're a parent or a child, 
And I want you to think about the parent or the child. And I want you to imagine you're sinning, right? You're, you're doing things that aren't favorable in the eyes of your parent or your children are annoying you. And, and they're, they're just disappointing you. They're stretching you. They're making you frustrated and angry. Yet that desire to remain in relationship with them never leaves. When my children frustrate me, and they do, when they, when they annoy me and I just, it's like I need space, but then my heart yearns to be back with them. I actually don't want to leave them. My love for them is unconditional. That's like God with Israel. He was like, you are disappointing me, Israel. You are not following the Torah, the instruction. You are sinning. You're not standing, stepping into the calling I have for you. But yet his heart doesn't want to run away. He wants to stay with his people. He wants to create a space where he can continue to dwell with them. And we know that that's when the tabernacle's created. Moses is instructed to build the tabernacle so that God can dwell among his people. There may be a picture that comes up of the tabernacle and it's just a great way to just see what it would have looked like in the day, right? The thing that baffles me, and I don't know about you, is that they had to pack this up and set it up again. Time and time again, I'm like, nah, (laughs) That's too, I can't even go normal camping, let alone doing the tabernacle. But they did that. That's effort. But I love it. I love, I'm a visual person. So if you're a visual person, I wanted to show a picture today of the tabernacle, of what it would have looked like. You know, this was in the area where all the Israelites were and they came and this was a part of their day-to-day life, Right? At the end of Exodus, they're finished building it. The thing about the tabernacle is that although Eden was God's original plan, he so desperately wanted to dwell again with his people on earth that he instructed the Eden. When God kicked Adam and Eve out of Eden, he placed a flame, a a flaming sword, and he had two cherubim. You see here on the on the thanks <laughs> on the ark of covenant two cherubim sit on top and then when you walk in this side and you look at the tent of meetings there in front of you is a flame the one thing that god used to keep adam and eve out is now the one thing he's calling his people to come back in he knew that eden was the first plan but like god cuz he's a good god he comes back time and time again no matter how many times we sin no matter how many times we pull away from god his heart yearns to be in relationship with you so he seeks a place to be with you he built the tabernacle so that the israelites could continue being in relationship relationship with them. Next thing that happens is that the Israelites still sin. Surprise, surprise. So God goes, I need to do something further 
to enable me to continue to be in relationship with my people. And we know that the sacrificing, the animal sacrifices take place. There are five types of sacrifices or offerings, and they are the grain offering, the burnt offering, the fellowship offering, the sin offering, and the guilt offering. Three of the offerings are known to provide you with atonement with God, to make you whole again with God, to make you pure so that you can be in relationship with God. Well, the other two are thanksgiving offerings. Today, I want to focus just on the sin offering. We can read more about the sin offering, but the the Hebrew word for sin offering is katat. And the katat is not sin. It doesn't resemble sin, but what it resembles is the purification from sin. So when they did the katat offering, what they're asking is, God, would you purify me from my sin so that I may enter in to your presence again? And so we can read in Leviticus, or we've got up here, sorry, um, an ex- uh, just a picture of the burnt off- of the altar. And I want you to just have a look at it for a minute. Because when we read the scripture in Leviticus, I want you to picture the, the different things that the priests do with the altar. So Leviticus 4 verse 27 to 31 says, If any member of the community sins unintentionally and does what is forbidden in any of the Lord's commands, when they realize their guilt and the sin they have committed becomes known, They must bring as their offering for the sin they committed a female goat without defect. They are to lay their hand on the head of the sin offering and slaughter it at the place of the burnt offering. Then the priest is to take some of the blood with his finger and put it on the horns of the altar of burnt offering and pour out the rest of the blood at the base of the altar. They shall remove all the fat, just as the fat is removed from the fellowship offering, and the priest shall burn it on the altar as an aroma pleasing to the Lord. In this way, the priest will make atonement for them, and they will be forgiven. That is an example of the process that the Israelites needed to partake in in order for them to be forgiven. You know, ultimately... Israel needed a way to be connected to their God. And that's why they did these animal sacrifices. Killing an animal and watching the blood drain was a sign for the Israelites of their selfish acts and sin. The animals that we read about that were taken for the sacrifice were were labeled blameless or without defect. They were perfect animals. There was nothing wrong with them. They had done nothing bad. They were not bad. They didn't look bad. They were a perfect animal. And so an innocent life needed to be laid down in order for the Israelite to remain living. You see, the cost of sin was death. But if they laid down an innocent animal... They were able to remain alive and in fact, it gave them atonement with God. The blood that dripped from that animal that was splashed on the horns, that was laid at the base of the altar, that is so significant. You could not make a sacrifice if you did not have the blood. It says in Hebrews 9.22, in fact, 
the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. We live today and we have the whole picture. We understand now what God is trying to resemble when he got the Israelites to do the sacrifices. The sin that the, that the Israelites were, were committing was separating them from God. There was a separation between man and God because of the sin that was committed. Yet when they did these sacrifices, it enabled them to be made whole again so that they could once again walk with God. They could be in the presence of God. You know, the sacrifice they made wasn't just a physical sacrifice of, of cutting up the animal and getting the blood, but it was a sacrifice of their livelihood. It was a sacrifice of their food. It was a sacrifice of their time. It was a sacrifice of, of their income because those animals, they were their animals. And they didn't just do this once. It wasn't a one-time covers all thing. No, it was every time you sin, you got to take another sacrifice. Every time you sin, you got to take another sacrifice. They did this time and time and time again just so they could remain in relationship with God. You know, we know now that God, he needed another plan. And this time the plan that he had was to send Jesus a blameless life a blameless king, a blameless man to come and to die on the cross for us so that we can live in eternal life. We'll die one day. We die a natural death. But what God did for us was so that when we do die, we then spend eternity with him in heaven. That's the difference. Hebrews 9, 24 to 26 says, For Christ did not enter into a holy place made with human hands, which was only a copy of the true one in heaven. He entered into heaven itself to appear now before God on our behalf. And he did not enter heaven to offer himself again and again, like the high priest here on earth who enters the most holy place year after year with the blood of an animal. If that had been necessary, Christ would have to have died again and again ever since the world began. But now, but now, once for all time, he has appeared at the end of the age to remove sin by his own death as a sacrifice. You see, church, I don't think we fully understand what the Israelites needed to do. I don't think we fully understand what a sacrifice is because we now live in a time where we don't have to go and make those physical sacrifices every time we make a mistake. We don't have to go to the tabernacle and lay down an animal and watch the blood be spread. We don't have to do that because our God once again wanted to be in relationship with us. So this time he sent his son to die. 
His blood as he hangs upon that cross drips to the base of the cross so that we don't have to make those sacrifices, but we can remain in relationship with him forever. You see, I don't think we understand just how hard the sacrificing would have been for the Israelites. God doesn't need you to praise Him. God doesn't need you to worship Him. His self-esteem is not based upon how much you give Him. He's God. He's good. He's got it. But what He desires from us is a connection with Him. You know, when my children do something wrong, it frustrates me, but man, I want to grab them and hold them and say, it's okay. It's okay. You know, God's like, hey, no matter how many times you run from me, no matter how many times you commit that sin, no matter how many times you you do that thing time and time again, I want to be in relationship with you. And the one thing He desires from us is to accept His Son as our Lord and Saviour. Church, I don't know if we understand the full extent of a sacrifice. In fact, some of you today actually feel like you're sitting there and you're like, but Britt, I do understand. You can't see what I've had to sacrifice to be here today. You can't see the relationships I've lost along the way because I've sacrificed it for God. And in this moment, I feel like God is just reaching out to you and saying, thank you. I see it. But then there are other people here today that something in their spirit is stirring. It's like he's putting this finger on one area in your life and he's like, but are you willing to let go of that? He doesn't need you to. Hear me, church. He doesn't need you to do anything, but He desires to be in relationship with you. So when He can see that something is clouding your vision, He wants to release that from you so that you can be so intent on following your King. Some of you today have something pressing on your heart. Maybe you even feel a little bit sick about it. How God is a good God. And when He puts something within us, when there's a desire within us to to give something back to Him, it's for a purpose. It's for a plan. And that plan is far greater, far bigger than we can ever imagine. There are some people here today that have heard a little bit about Jesus but you've not invited Him to be your Lord and Saviour. But maybe today you're like, I think I'm ready to make that decision. I think I'm ready to be reconnected or connected with Him for the first time. You see, no matter how many times we run, just look at the Bible. No matter how many times the Israelites go around and around and around, God's like, I want to be with my people. 
I will do what I can to be with my people. You see, God, He made the ultimate sacrifice so that you can be in relationship with Him forever. Can you stand to your feet for just a moment? You know, God, God is a good God. And there are moments that we can look back into the Old Testament and we think to ourselves, really, God? Really? You had to do that for your people? You had to make your people do that? But God, He's just up in heaven and He's like, I just want to be with my people that I will do anything, anything for them. You know, this morning, God will do anything to be in relationship with you. Anything. And He did. We saw a blameless man walk this earth. We saw him get attacked, whipped. We saw him get blamed for things that he wasn't even meant to be blamed for because he didn't do it in the first place. You see, God sent him. He watched his son go through this pain. If you were a parent, Imagine having to place your child on the altar for everyone else's sins. That's what God did because He loves you that much. He cares for you that much. You know, God this morning wants to have a moment with you. And that moment may be in your chair and that's totally fine. But I also believe that there are moments where you need to bring something to the altar. Just like the Israelites needed to bring their sacrifice to the altar. And they needed to watch the blood drip to the altar and go on the horns. Sometimes God asks or desires for us to bring something to Him and to lay it at His feet and say, God, take it from me. I don't want anything clouding me from being in a relationship with you. So Lord, would you take it? This morning, if there is something that you want to lay at the feet of Jesus, please, would you come and do that? But before you do, if everyone can just close their eyes for a moment, I don't want to go past an opportunity for someone to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior today. If you've heard what I've said today and part of you stirred like, wow, a God loves me enough to send His Son to die for me and you want to accept Him as your loving Father, as your Lord and Saviour, then would you please place your hand up so that I can pray for you? Because it's an incredible opportunity to be connected with Him. Amazing. We're going to go into a time of worship. A time where we can just soak in the presence of God. 
this altar up here is open. And if you want to lay something at the altar today, then can I encourage you, come and do that. Lay it at the feet of Jesus. Because when we lay it down, our vision becomes clear and we're able to be reconnected so closely to our Father. Come on, let's just worship Him this morning. Thank you, God. Thanks for listening through this message recorded live at Resound Church in Melbourne. You can find out more about who we are online, including service times and our live streams. Have a great week and we'll catch you next time.